It never ceases to amaze me when God opens a new campus, how many awesome people he puts in place. And it, it, he did it again. We're gonna find the lost and broken, you know, in these mountain communities. And that's why we're here. What I'm believing for is uh, for souls to walk, you know, walk into church. Prayer from Evergreen. You know, it's like I'm looking for them to like walk in, not really knowing what's going on. And then like God, the, the mighty warrior, like the Lion of Judah to just like rip into their lives and totally turn them upside down. That's why we're here. That's the mission for this church family to help more and more and more people find the God that flips the switch. It says, I'll save you of your past. I'll forgive you of your sins. I'll provide you with salvation. I'll empower you today. I'll fill you with the Holy Spirit. I'll change everything about your life. That's why we do what we do. How cool is that? I had the opportunity to be at the Evergreen campus last week for the launch, and um, they were using the overflow rooms on week one. There was over 1,200 people in attendance. 13 people gave their life to Jesus for the very first time. At every location, can we make some noise? Because we have an Evergreen campus. Let me say hi to all the campuses, uh, Littleton, Lakewood, Evergreen, Arvada, men and women at both the God Behind Bars campuses. We love you like crazy. We're glad to be doing church with you today. I was driving home from the Evergreen campus, um, realizing that I don't live there. And, uh, and, and you know, I was thinking about um, just the people that do, that live in Evergreen and Genesee and Conifer and all those places around there. And, and just, you know, I'm just like looking at what they look at all the time. And, and I'm seeing like the views and I drive by Evergreen Lake and people are out on paddle boards and I, I see, you know, elk and buffalo and little stream just running next to the highway. Like I, I became keenly aware of two things as I was driving home from the Evergreen campus. Number one, in the Old Testament, when God talked about the promised land, I believe that's what he was talking about. Evergreen, Colorado is what he was talking about. And the second thing I became aware of was that um, God actually loves people who live there more than the rest of us. And, and I, if you don't believe me, if you live in Littleton, Lakewood, Arvada, somewhere other than up there, just drive from your house to up there and ask yourself honestly, does God love me as much as these people? And I think you're going to come to this realization that no, he just doesn't. Uh, and I know that's tough to take, but lucky for us, we're in a teaching series where we're talking about joy in the middle of situations that are tough to take. All right. So that's where we're at. I was telling Scott, I said, Scott, I, I literally drove home from Evergreen and I was like, God just loves these people more. He's like, yeah, but they're getting their reward on earth. I'm getting mine in heaven. 
He's like, everybody that lives up and around Evergreen, they're going to live in Commerce City for all of eternity. So right next to the dog food plant. So, so anyways, we got stuff to look forward to. They don't. Today we're finishing up this teaching series called No Joy, K-N-O-W, No Joy, No Matter What. And we've been talking about how it really is God's plan for, for me, for you, for all of us, that, that that would be a reality, that we would know joy, experience his joy, no matter what, no matter what happens in our life. Good days, bad days, horrific days, weeks, seasons, amazing, I can't wait to tell you the good news, days, weeks, seasons, no matter what happens to us or around us, that we would have this this strength, this peace, this confidence, this joy that comes from what he's doing in our life. And it would override everything else that goes on around us. And so that's what we've been talking about. As the series has been going, we've been going through the book of Philippians, as many of you know if you've been here. Last week we covered chapter 3. Today we're looking at some verses from chapter 4. So if you have a Bible, flip open to Philippians chapter 4. We'll be there for most of this talk. If not, the words will be up on the screen. Um, the title of this teaching series actually came from a verse in Philippians chapter 4. It's actually verse 4. It says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Paul says, be joyful always or no joy no matter what. We're saying the same thing. We're supposed to experience God's joy every day, every time, every situation, always, no exceptions to the rule, no matter what. And while that's fun to talk about, fun to clap over, fun to get excited about, fun to sing about, truth is we all know that it's easier said than done sometimes, isn't it, right? Because we live in the real world and we're real people and we have real highs and real lows and real good days and real bad days. And some of you are in the middle of some of the lows right now. And those of you who aren't, there's a good chance that you will be at some point because that's just how life works, right? Jesus said it himself, in this world you're going to have some trouble, but don't worry because when I'm a part of your life, there's nothing that you can't get through. You'll overcome it. Because I'll be with you and I'll overcome it for you. But that's a whole other situation. Stay focused. And so we know that we're going to have bad days. Like that's just part of it, right? Some of you are experiencing that. Some of you are having some financial issues right now. And you know like the stress that comes with that and the way that sort of is a domino effect into every other area of your life. It's real, Sometimes it's hard to have joy when you're dealing with stuff like that. Some of you are in the middle of relationship problems, dating relationships, relationships with friends, relationships with a spouse, with a family member, with somebody at work. And when those go bad, when relationships go bad, sometimes the heartache that accompanies relational issues like, makes us feel like, I don't even know if I, I'm going to be able to bounce back from this. We have job problems and career issues and sometimes we feel like our dreams are happening and sometimes we feel like we couldn't be farther away from them and we have emotional issues and fears and anxieties and like the list goes on and on sometimes it's just easier said than done to know joy no matter what and and the apostle paul he knows all this stuff He's experienced all this stuff. If you've been around for this series, you know that he's experienced bad days and trouble sometimes in ways that we can't hardly fathom. 
And yet he still says, let's read it again. Rejoice in the Lord always, every time, no exceptions. Let me say it again in case I wasn't clear. Rejoice. See, it seems like this fun, cute little verse till you start getting into it. And it's real and it's impactful and it's challenging. And, and he doesn't just say we're supposed to know God's joy no matter what. He takes it a step further in the next verse. Let's keep reading. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. He said your joy should actually affect other people too. The fact that you are able to experience my joy in the middle of really tough situations, that should affect people around you, people watching you, people who do life with you and near you. It's not just about us. Our joy in the middle of really tough times actually has the ability to bring other people joy, to point other people towards Jesus. It's not just about us. Our joy should be contagious. For some of us, our negativity is contagious. Paul says it shouldn't be. Your joy is what ought to be contagious. People ought to hear that you're a Christ follower and go, that makes sense. That makes sense. Because I've seen the way that person has carried himself or herself through some really tough, that, that makes sense. People ought to run into you at church and go, I didn't know you go to church. I didn't know you go to this church. And in the back of their mind go, that makes sense. You ever had the opposite happen? <laughs> you ever ran into somebody who sees you at church and they're like, oh, you go to church. Huh. And you know what they're thinking. Like, you ever see somebody like in the lobby and you go, oh, this is going to be awkward. Because <laughs> they've seen some things. They've heard some things. They know you from the past, right? And you're like, oh, boy. You ever react in traffic? I, doesn't traffic bring out the worst in people? You ever like make a point in traffic? Somebody does something they shouldn't and with your driving, you make a statement. You know what I mean? You do a little speed up, a little slow down, a little no, you're not going to merge. You wave to them, maybe your whole hand, maybe one finger, like whatever it is. You're reacting in traffic and then all of a sudden you go, oh dear Lord, I put the Red Rock sticker on the back window. Oh my gosh. I knew I couldn't steward that sticker. Next exit, next exit. <laughs> Why did I put the sticker there? It's just me? Okay, cool. <clears throat> I, was, I was helping some referees at one of my son's basketball games one day. I wasn't a part of the game or anything. I was a parent, but um, I was helping the referee because he, he had missed a couple things. And, um, you know, the Bible talks about helping people. And so... Um, you know, gymnasiums can be loud and, and parents are loud and the game's loud. And I didn't know if they could hear me. So I was helping at a high volume. Um, and my wife starts squeezing my leg. <laughs> She's like, mm -mm, no, no, you don't. And as I'm helping the referee at a high volume, some other parents on the other team start helping in the opposite direction. And then we start talking to each other about how we're helping. And it was a whole deal. And Jill's like squeezing my leg going, mm -mm, no, Sean, no, please, please, Sean, Sean, Sean. She does it was just Sean, 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 Sean. And, and, the, and it's a little gym. And so the coaches from the other team, I'm, we're only a few rows up and they like turn around and look up at me and they like, give me the, like the, the adult mall look. You know what I mean? Like the, 
And so I went. <laughs> Jill squeezing my leg. Mm-mm, no, Sean, no, Sean, Sean. Sean, this is just a game. Bite your tongue. <laughs> One of the two coaches says something. And, and he says something like, why don't you just watch the game and let us handle it? And I was like, well, then why don't you handle it? I don't even know what that means. Like, what does that even mean? And then I, we, we just had a conversation in the middle of the game. And, and Jill, she drops like the spade, like the ace of spades, the trump card. And she does this every now and then. She, she acts like she's smiling and going to like whisper in my ear that she loves me. And she goes, you're a pastor. <laughs> oh, yeah, I totally forgot about that. And I was like 100% sure that this coach was going to fight me in the parking lot. Like it had gotten to that point. And I was like 99.7% sure that I was going to oblige. Like that's where it was. And then later that night at church, yeah, I get down off the stage after talking about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And guess who comes and says hi to me? I wanted to disappear. <laughs> it wasn't just you go to church, it was you run a church? <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh-huh, mm-hmm, this is awkward. <laughs> Paul says that in the middle of tense, troublesome, trying, stressful moments in life, that you can actually have a joy and it won't just change the way you live. It'll change the way people will live around you. He says, that can be your life. You can experience that. That's a pretty tall order, though, isn't it? Like always, every time, all situations, no exceptions. And I'm not only responsible for me, but now other people's lives are going to be affected if I do this right. That's a tall order. Thankfully, what he does next in verse, uh, well, it's actually in the same verse, but at the end of verse five is he says, all right, I'm going to start, um, I'm going to start breaking this down for you. I'm going to start um, helping you understand how you can actually make this a reality. Let's reread verse five. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. See what he does there? He says, if you want to make this a reality, not just something you talk about, if you actually want to experience joy in the middle of really tough things, here's where it starts. You never forget that God is with you right now. See, because he knows. Like, he knows bad days like we don't understand. He knows tough seasons like we can't hardly even, like, picture. And he says, you just can't do it unless you remind yourself that God is with you right now because he knows where our minds go. Because he's tempted to do the same thing, right? Isn't that true? Like as soon as we experience something really bad, one of the first things we think is, where was God when I needed him? God must have left. God isn't here. God doesn't care. God's not paying attention. God isn't with me. I mean, don't we? I don't like to admit that in church, but I mean, don't we think stuff like that? Paul says, uh-uh. Let me remind you right off the bat, no matter what you're going through, no matter how bad it is, no matter how good it is, God is with you right now. Your situation is not an indication of God's location. A lot of shuns in that. But I hope you remember it. 
Your situation, that's not an indication of God's location. But see, we think it is, right? When life is good, we say things like, God is good, and God is with me, and God loves me, and God's right. And then when God is bad, it's God must not love me, and God must not be with me, and God, God must not be working, and God mu- must not care. And Paul's going, that's not the case. Good days, bad days, everything in between. God is with you. God loves you. God is working. God has a plan. That's what he's telling the church at Philippi. He's saying, look, I know some of the things that you guys have been going through. I know some of the trials, some of the things that you're up against, some of the persecution you're dealing with. So let me remind you that even if you can't see it and you don't feel it and you don't understand what he's doing, God's right there with you. Don't forget that. And as I was getting ready for this talk, all of a sudden I became aware of the irony of this in a way that I just hadn't before. Because think about this. The Apostle Paul is trying to encourage a church, just like, like us, in Philippi. He knows that they've been going through some really tough things. So he says, let me encourage you. I know you're going through some tough stuff. And you might not understand what he's doing, but God's working in your life right now. He's writing that while in prison... I mean, picture the Apostle Paul. We've talked about his scenario a little bit in this series. His body would be scarred beyond belief. In the Old Testament, it it, it prophesied about Jesus going to the whipping post. And it said that he would be beaten at the whipping post to the point that he wouldn't be recognizable. That's how brutal that was. Paul went to one of those five different occasions. His body would be scarred beyond belief. He's in a Roman prison, had to feel a million miles away from his dream, chained to a Roman guard, and he's writing to some friends going, I know you're going through a tough time, but remember, God's with you. And I I bet you if we could have talked to, to the apostle Paul then, like I bet he would talk about how he has dreams. We know he dreamed of speaking to thousands of people in Rome. Like he knew there was a day when the apostle Peter stood up and gave a sermon and 3,000 people experienced Jesus because of it. And Paul dreamed of having that kind of influence in a place like Rome. What if one day I could stand up on a stage and I could preach and 3,000 people would find Jesus? Like I wanna change the world like that. And I bet if we could have talked to Paul back then, he'd say, well, I don't get to live my dream right now. I think he would have talked about God's in control and God has a plan and I don't get it. I don't get to live my dream right now. I have to settle. And since I can't go be with people and I can't go tell them about Jesus, all I can do is write them a letter. That's all I got. I have to settle for just writing a letter. What he thought was settling, God knew was miraculous. God knew that Paul wasn't settling and writing a letter to a church he couldn't visit in person, but God knew that he had him there for a reason and he was writing the Bible. He dreamed of reaching thousands. The Bible's the best-selling book on planet Earth since books have been around. Over five billion, with a B, billion copies have been sold. While Paul is trying to tell some other people, God's working, you just might not see it. He's living it. He's experiencing it. If we could talk to him now, he'd say, God was working in my life. I just couldn't see it. God was with me. I just didn't understand what he was doing. God had a plan. I just didn't get it. 
And so, see, I think this is for some of you right now, that God has you listening to this, watching this, here in this room, at any other location, for this reason, he wants you to know, he knows what you're going through. He knows what you've been through. He knows how hard it's been. He knows what it's like right now. And he wants to take this moment to remind you that he is with you, that he is working, that he has a plan, that he loves you. He's with you right here, right now. Even if you can't see it, even if you can't feel it, even if you don't understand what he's doing. Paul says, never forget, God's with you. Then he keeps going. He says, you're going to have to remember that in order to live this way. But now, let's get real practical and let me give you a couple of to-dos. Verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I want you to know this joy that I have in the middle of really tough situations, not anxiety. I want you to know this peace and this strength and this confidence that God has given me. And so let me give you a couple of things to, to, to go do, to go focus on. He says, go pray and go say thank you. Start there. Remember that he's with you, then go pray and go say thank you. But he says, you're going to have to start making some choices. That's what he's starting to teach the church at Philippi. That's what he's teaching us today. There are parts of you experiencing joy that's flat out up to you. You have to start making some choices. And the first one is, no matter how bad things are or no matter how good things are, choose to pray. Now, I don't don't know about you, but I have... uh, Sometimes more than I like to admit, I I can be a skeptic at heart. And there have been times in my life where, where I'm like, why do I need to pray about it? If he's God, he already knows. You ever thought that? Like, I mean, if he's God, he already knows what I need. Why do I need to pray about it? One of my children just came to me this week and he said, every pair of shoes I have doesn't fit me. And I'm like, how did I not know this? We went and got his foot measured. Sure enough, he wears a seven and every pair of shoes he has is a six. First, I was disgusted in myself as a father. How did I not know that? And second, I'm a shoe guy, so I was really excited about the potential that this brings us. (laughs) But he, he had to come tell me that there was a problem. If God's perfect and God's the heavenly father that knows everything, do I really need to tell him my problem? Like, shouldn't he already know? You ever thought that? Paul says, no, 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 don't, don't, don't get this twisted. You're missing the point. You're missing the point of prayer. Prayer isn't so you can go make requests that might not be known. Prayer isn't about you going to make requests. Prayer is about you spending time with God. That's the difference. Your life isn't changed because of a request. Your life won't even be changed if you get the answer to the request you want. Your life will be changed because you spend time with God. He said, you're missing the point. Psalm 1611 says this, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. It's his presence. We talked about this last week. It's his presence that changes us, not making requests. 
So he says, you choose to pray, not because you need to go make requests that he doesn't know about, because you need to go spend time with him, because when you spend time with him, one of the byproducts is joy in your life, no matter what you're going through. So choose to pray. And then he says, and choose to not just pray, but make sure that your prayers are connected with some thanksgiving. He says, choose to say thank you. Let's read this again, Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, I wish he hadn't have said that, but it, he did. Every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. He said, that's the key. A lot of times, we either think, why should I pray? Because he already knows, or, man, when we're in trouble, that's when we're throwing up the Hail Marys, right? God help! He says, make sure you're tying that to God, thank you. Thankfulness is one of the keys to our joy, he says. And it's interesting because he doesn't just say, be thankful. He says, say thank you. Go talk to God about it. Take it to him. See, if we don't focus on this a little bit, left on autopilot, left unchecked and sort of unthought about, our prayers will start to drift towards just complaining sessions and wish lists for God. If we don't focus on making thankfulness a part of our prayer life, our prayers start to sound like this. God, you know. You know what's going on. And please help me, and please bless me, and please protect us, and please do this, and please do that, and please do that, and please take care of this problem. <sighs> Amen. And that's it. And our prayers turn into complaining sessions and wish lists. Paul says, no, 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 no. Make sure you say thank you when you're praying. Don't just be thankful. Say it. And there is a difference. This week, I took my family to one of the most God-ordained restaurants, maybe on the planet, Rib City. <laughs> Rib City, you're welcome for this endorsement. <laughs> we love Rib City. So we went to Rib City, and before the meal had even come, like our children were just like on another level of just crazy. They had spit spit wads at each other. They had thrown okra at each other. There was fart jokes, farting. My poor wife, like everything, it's going crazy. They're throwing things, they're spilling things. One of the boys took a fork. They have a styrofoam pop cup. Took a fork and poked holes in the side of his cup about midway down. And he's drinking out of the side of the cup. Well, that works until you stop drinking, child. And then he puts it down. It's just a little waterfall of root beer just coming up. And I mean, one, one of the kids is laying on the booth, shoes off, feet up in the air. I'm like, dear Lord, stop spending time with Uncle Chad. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> They're going to kick us out of here. That's what I'm thinking. And so when the waitress comes and starts to bring the food, what do I tell the boys to do? After I threaten to beat them and all that kind of stuff happens, what do I tell them to do? Say thank you, Right? Same thing you tell your kids. We don't tell our kids, be thankful. No, because that's not enough. I don't want you to be thankful when they drop off the food. I want you to say thank you. That's a whole different, different deal, isn't it? Paul says, don't just be thankful. Talk to God about it. And I would say, let's take it a step further. Start talking to the people in your life about it. Start letting the people around you hear what you're thankful for more than they hear what you wish you had. 
but start talking about how thankful you are. Be thankful. And for some of you, that means make a list. And if you're in such a rough spot right now that you feel like, man, I can't even like make a list, ask a loved one to make one for you. And you want to do something really cool? You want to be a blessing to somebody you care about? Make a list for somebody you love. Tell them all the things that they have to be thankful for from your point of view and give it to them. But make a list and take it into your prayer time and spend some time saying, God, here's what's going on. Here's what I need. Here's what I'd love for you to take care of. But then let me spend some time saying, here's what I'm thankful for. Paul says it'll change you. And the truth about this is, and I think we all sort of know this, but it's really hard to be depressed while you're saying thank you. Paul says, make saying thank you part of your prayers. He's teaching the church in Philippi this lesson about joy. He's teaching us, Red Rocks Church, today this lesson about joy. And it's this. Our joy is our choice. In many ways, our joy is our choice. Because we have to choose to pray. We have to choose to say thank you. In the next verse, he's going to challenge us to choose to worship No matter what the news is, no matter what he did, no matter what she did, no matter what the doctor said, no matter what happened, choose to worship, he says. Let's keep reading. Verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. He said, no matter what is going on in your life, no matter how good your day is, no matter how bad your day is, no matter how good this season of life is, no matter how bad this season of life is, choose to think of reasons why you can praise God and then choose to worship through it. Praise God no matter what's going on. He says, watch your joy level change. See, because here's what, here's what Paul understood. Our joy, it comes from our God, not our circumstances. Good or bad circumstances, our joy, our strength, our peace, our confidence, it comes from our God, not our circumstances. And so this is for some of you, so stop worshiping the wrong one. Look, I I can't tell you how many times I've fell into this trap. Sometimes when we're not careful, without even meaning to, we start worshiping our circumstances instead of our God. Now, we don't usually put our circumstances to music and raise both hands, but we talk about them like crazy. The thing we're going through, it's all we talk about. It's all we think about. It's all we focus on. It's even all we pray about. It's all our energy. Everything we've got, it goes towards the circumstance. The problem is our joy doesn't come from our circumstance. It comes from our God we got to change what we worship. we got to change what we focus on. Your joy doesn't come from your circumstances. It comes from your God. I'm the same way. And when we choose to focus on him instead of those, see, then nobody can take our joy. No person. That's why God set it up this way. He's the source of our joy, so no person can take it. No event can take it. No situation can take it. They can cause us some trouble, and it's not going to be easy, but at the center of everything I go through, the plan that God has for me and for you is that we would have joy that overrides it, that trumps it, because we focus on him, not the circumstances. To do that, our language has to start to change. 
God, I may not know what you're up to right now. And I may not feel you in my life right now. I may not see your activity right now. I may not understand what's going on right now. But here's what I know. I know that you're with me. I know that you love me. I know that you care. I know that you have a plan because your word promises me that. I know that you're working. I know that you're active, even if I don't understand it. And I know that you're my source of strength and confidence and peace and joy. So I choose to take my eyes off the situation. I choose to pray. I choose to say thank you. And I choose to worship no matter what. In this little passage of scripture in Philippians 4, Paul says, you want to know joy? Do this. Live like this. Let this start to define, to define who you are. And look, sometimes I think, and I'm, I'm with maybe some of you, sometimes this stuff sounds impossible to pull off. Sometimes it just sounds like fancy church talk and it's kind of too good to be true. Well, let me just tell you this, Red Rocks Church, it's not too good to be true. There are people in our church family right now who have chosen to live this way and it's changing everything about their lives. Watch this. So, so tell me a little bit about your story and, and what you've been going through. Oh man, where do I begin? <laughs> so I was, you know, a very healthy um, 36-year-old teacher. And I went, um, well, I found a lump in my breast. And this was my second round of finding a lump and the first round was fine so I think in my mind that was sort of the outcome You're that okay. I was expecting and so right it wasn't like a big deal um, but I learned from the first time to not go away myself <laughs> and I'm glad I didn't um, a couple of my great friends came with me um, had the biopsy done and it was the Friday before Labor Day weekend I hadn't heard back you know, um, they had told me, oh yeah, we'll be in touch no later than Wednesday. And um, no calls. I started calling the numbers they gave me. They were disconnected. While I was on hold, I was emailing my doctor. <laughs> I'm just like, I just want to know my results. Right. Um, and so finally, whoever was monitoring the email inbox called me and was very quiet and, you know, said things like, well, I'm not sure if I should tell you this over the phone. and. I've been struggling with even if I should tell you. And finally, he was like, you have breast cancer. So I called a few of my best friends and they all came down and we had a karaoke party and I have a costume closet downstairs and everybody dressed up and <laughs> it was just, you know, that's how, that's how we're gonna fight this thing. My third treatment was right around New Year's. So we had a New Year's party in the chemo room and then it just kind of I would see the people around us I mean they were laughing at us absolutely but they were smiling yeah yeah <laughs> instead of kind of dreading their treatment yeah. and then my last treatment um 
we had a luau, kind of a farewell to chemo, <laughs> and dressed up in ridiculous Hawaiian gear and brought punch and <laughs> wow, just kind of made it made it into something where we could smile instead of something that would make us cry. Yeah. So it, it sounds like joy has, like the Bible says, really been your strength in a lot of ways. It's funny, I mean, I I think I really struggled with that verse for a while, be joyful always, pray, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. Um, I really wrestled with that because, you know, cancer stinks. Right. <laughs> and, but it was a challenge. It was a, like, okay, how can you, how can you be joyful in this? I have just heard time and time again about how you, in the middle of what's probably the hardest battle you've ever fought, Hands down. <laughs> have just been this picture of joy in the middle of it somehow. Um, how is that? A few of my anchor verses, um, Philippians 4, 4 through 7, huge. Um, it's that not worrying piece. You know, and it's interesting because I've joined a few support groups, which have been amazing. And it just, it kind of breaks my heart to see other people go through this that don't know the Lord. Yeah. And so badly for them, I want them to feel the peace and the comfort that I know in the Lord and just the hope. Um, but I just, I, I can truly say that I don't worry. I don't worry that the cancer is gonna come back. I don't worry um, that I won't be able to handle it. Like I just, through not worrying um, and, and being able to be, find things to be thankful for in the midst of such turmoil, um, that was one of the challenges that my counselor gave me is just, you know, make a list of all the things you're thankful for. Just so many little details, puzzle pieces were perfectly placed by the Lord up like up to 15 years ago, blessing me with the amazing group of girlfriends I met in college who've become my family. What did you do with the list that you made? It's in my journal. Yeah. How often do you do you look at it? Do you read it? Do you I like, add to it you when do? things come to mind? Yeah. Because there's, I mean, there's just a ton. There's a ton to be thankful for, and you can't be mad at God when you're thanking Him. Part of what we wanted to do. Uh, in asking you to come here today was this, just to hear your story. Um, part of what we wanted to do um, was to let you know that your joy, um, the way that you have remained in God and, and remained and kept trusting God, um, the attitude that you have kept through this whole thing, it hasn't just changed you, it's changed a lot of people that care about you and we reached out to a few of them and we asked them um, if they would like to say anything. And we had so many people say yes that we can't share all of them with you right this second, um, but I did want to share a few of them with you. And so um, these are uh, from some people that love you and, and care about you and, and, and have have really been affected by you. Um, would you be willing to read what they wrote you out loud? If I can. <laughs> okay.
Looking back on my life, I was in a dark place and could feel the enemy trying to steal my joy. That night when I shaved your head, I was reminded of God's love for each and every one of us. There are a few people that we meet in this life that possess such a supernatural beauty, something that just radiates from their soul where people just want to be around them. I still recall the day I heard the news and my heart literally stopped beating out of fear and concern for you. However, you had a completely different reaction and seemed to be at total peace despite all the unknowns at the time. You could have given up, but you chose to fight. You chose to believe that hope is stronger than reality. You chose to overlook your horrible suffering you chose God as your light at the end of your darkest tunnel. My favorite thing about you, Bonnie, is that you are you, and no one else is like you. Thanks for being my friend and a great example of what joy looks like in every situation. What you were faced with was beyond real and beyond scary. However, I noticed with your first communication to all of us regarding your dilemma, an absolute and ascertainable peace that could only be recognized as that from the hand of God himself. You've been a huge light to all of us. Keep staying strong and fighting. Today, you stand as a survivor, a survivor of a horrific obstacle cancer put in your life. Your ability to let God cradle you in peace, protection, and comfort is inspiring to all those that have the honor to know you. Well, I'm sure the battle was hard at times. What we really saw from the outside was your joy, an overarching choice to live in His promises. While God continues to mold and shape you from this experience, He is undoubtedly using your story to impact the hearts and lives of so many, including my own. Thank you for your constant encouragement, your friendship, love, adventurous spirit, and your silliness. You are so loved. You've taught me to find the joy in things despite your circumstances. I'm truly honored to be one of your besties. I know God is using you in ways beyond what you see and I want to encourage you to keep seeking after him to affect lives. This is such a gift to me. We've got a whole lot more, <laughs> but just for time, we thought we'd give you a few of them. When I think about the why, which in a sense doesn't really matter because it doesn't change, the fact, but I always come back to just let other people find hope in it. You know, I just pray and hope that God can use me to make heaven more crowded. <laughs> so it this is. is amazing. <laughs> I don't know all of your stories. I don't know what you might be going through right now, but God does. And he wants you to know that he hasn't forgotten you, that he hasn't left you. He's right here with you. And even though you might not be able to see it and you might not feel it and you might not understand it, he's working in your life. Don't forget that. He's near. And he wants you to be able to, to say, The joy of my salvation is my strength. He wants you to know joy no matter what. And so the Apostle Paul says, this isn't just for me. It isn't just for people like Bonnie. It's for all of us. And so we make some choices. No matter what we're facing, we make some choices. And I'm going to choose to pray. And I'm going to choose to keep trusting. I'm going to choose to say thank you 
daily. And I'm gonna choose to worship my God no matter what because I know that my joy comes from my God, not all this stuff that's happening. Paul says it's in that that you can experience this peace, this strength, this confidence, this joy that passes all understanding. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are with us right now, that you are real, that you are here, that you love us, that you care for us, that you want to change us, that you want to be with us. And so God, right now I pray for anyone who's hearing this or watching this and they're in the middle of some stressful stuff, some tough times. I pray God that right now they would begin to sense your presence like they just haven't maybe ever, maybe just in a long time, that they would begin to sense you, to know that you're here, that you're with us, that you care, that you're working. And God, help us as we walk away from this service. Help us to start making some of those choices to come to you consistently, to say thank you nonstop and to worship you no matter what. And I pray, God, that you would begin to do miracles in our lives, miracles through our lives, miracles in these situations and these things that we find ourselves dealing with. And I thank you, God, for what you've already began, and I thank you that you're gonna finish it. I thank you for what you're doing right now. God, it's our honor now, no matter what our situation, it's our honor now to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Red Rocks Church at every location, can we stand to our feet and as a church family, no matter how good things are right now, no matter how bad things are right now, can we declare that our God is good? Can we choose to worship him today?